Don't you open your Bibles in Second Thessalonians as we carry on through this book. And tonight we will be reading from verse 1 to verse 12. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the, Lord, the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved." Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Lord, I, I pray that you will speak to us this evening, um, help us to hear what you are saying in this passage. Uh, even this difficult passage, Lord, I ask you that you would uh, speak clearly to us that what you want to accomplish in our hearts. Help us to submit to your word, to submit to you. Close my mouth, only you speak, Lord. Hide me and that Jesus Christ alone will be glorified and magnified in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, um, Kenneth sent me a message saying, uh, would, would you guys like one of uh, Hayden's old toys? So he sent me the, the video of the toy, and it's basically a little uh, tractor uh, that has a, its own little track. And, uh, um, and the, the tractor goes by itself, so it has this couple of levels bridge that it keeps going by itself and it goes around and it's, it's just really cool. So I, I saw, yeah, that's great. That's really cool. So um, I got it from him and then we set it up at home 
And then we're like excited for Levi. <laughs> it's like, and so we set the whole track up, and then we, we click the little button for the track to, uh, tractor to start going. And with this amazing track and everything uh, that elevates the tractor and goes down the bridge and goes around and all of this, and as soon as it started, they, they, as soon as the, the, we, we press the button, there's a, a noise that comes as like the little motor or I don't know, whatever it is, that makes the tractor go by itself. And so as soon as it started, Levi wanted to find out where is this noise coming from. So he grabs the tractor and he's trying to stop the wheels turning and it's, and it's all of that and he's like obsessed with this where is this noise coming from? What, what, and, and that was it. There was no going on. We're so excited. Put it in the truck. And he just wants to grab and, and find out where is this noise coming from. Now, when you come to a passage like this, you may be tempted to just go down the, the noise of the eschatology debate <laughs> and not see the full track in front of you, not the full picture in, in front of you. And so I want, to, I want to invite us to, as we consider this passage, that uh, you will be aware of the big picture, the big track, and not be uh, obsessed with the little noise on the tractor. All right. So here's the background. Paul has already addressed some of the um, issues of when, what happens when believers die and when is Jesus coming and how is this going to happen. But there was confusion. There was confusion and there was a lot of fear amongst the believers at Thessalonica. Um, because they believed, and we see that in verse 3, that... The day of the Lord has come. That the day of the Lord has, has come already. And so, um, Paul in this section starts to correct. Um, he wants to correct them, uh, this fear, this uh, instability that is going on. But not only that, he wants to comfort them. He wants to comfort them. There is a pastoral heart behind all the eschatological teaching, behind the teaching of the events and what is going to happen when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. There is a heart of a pastor wanting to comfort and st stabilize the believers in Thessalonica. And so, so I want you to keep that in mind. And so... We see our first point, he starts to address the fears. So, in, and how does he start addressing this misconception? In verse 1 itself. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and listen to this, and our being gathered together to him. Let's just pause right there. And I think this is, this is amazing that this is, he's, he's showing this is the big 
picture, besides what, what, he's gonna, what he's gonna talk about the manner of lawlessness and the rebellion and all of this, this is what the big picture is, what is the aim. When Jesus comes, what is the amazing thing that's gonna happen? You will be gathered together to him. He starts already with a, a, a word of, this should already calm you down. No matter what happens, no matter what is coming, no matter the sequence of events that is going to happen, you will be gathered together with Him. He's reminding them of this glorious truth. We see in Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. And in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And so the first thing, as, as believers, the first thing He addresses, the, it's, it's a calming statement of truth that no matter what events happen, you will be gathered together with Him. You will see Christ and you will be with Him. And as He had already mentioned in, the, in His first letter, no one is going to be forgotten. The dead in Christ will rise first and those that are living will be caught up in the air. No one will be forgotten or left behind. All the believers will be gathered together with Him. And so in, in light of that, being gathered together with Him, He says, we ask, and now that word in the Greek is more like a beg. We beg you, brothers, do not be, not be quickly shaken in mind. Do not lose your mind. That, that the that uh, phrase could literally be translated. Uh, don't go into a, a crazy zone. It's the picture is of a boat um, in in the storm, and it's it's being shaken. And he's saying, "Don't let, do not be shaken out of mind." I put the picture there. Um, whenever. It's uh, scatology debates happens. This is <laughs> here. He's saying, "Don't don't go into a craze. Don't go into panic. Do not be alarmed. Okay. Don't just, don't just lose it. Now the the uh, when when it comes to the events of of the end times, we often can be, you know." Some people get paralyzed in fear. Um, I, I was too, too small when, uh, well, not too, yeah, I was quite small. But in the 2000s, I, I heard, you know, that the, when 1999 happened, between 1999 and 2000, there were people that, you know, okay, thought um, Jesus was coming and there, there were all these prophecies and then people sold their business um, and, and, 
and they were afraid this is, this is happening now. Um, and, and there's almost like a, a sense of when, whenever we're speaking about the end times, there is this, this panic and, and this craze in, in, in mind and thought. And, and Paul says, don't be quickly shaken. Don't be alarmed. Just calm down. And why? Why were so? Why were they so rattled? Why were they um, alarmed? Now we've already mentioned that they they thought that the day of the Lord has come. And Paul seems to try to cover whatever stream this deception came from. Okay, so we see there either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. There seems to have been people prophesying, okay, this is, this is happening right now. And, and then there were people that saying, uh, this comes from, from Paul. Um, maybe they were twisting some of the words of Paul from his first letter. Um, and there might have been even a forgery of a letter claiming to be from Paul. And that's what he's saying. Even a letter seeming to be from us. And Paul is setting the record, record straight. I didn't, I didn't say that. It's not come, this does not come from us. And then he's going to go on to explain. Why has the day of the Lord not come yet? And he basically he starts, there's two main reasons why the day of the Lord hasn't come yet. And we see that in verse 3. For the day will not come unless the rebellion come first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So there's these two things that need to happen before the day of the Lord comes. So the rebellion comes first. This is the first evidence that the day of the Lord has not come yet. There's supposed to be a rebellion that happens first before the coming of the Lord happens. Now, the Greek word, of, Greek word for rebellion is apostasia. And maybe it sounds familiar to you. Uh, apostasy. So when someone leaves the faith, this word occurs in the Septuagint, the Old Testament and in the New Testament to speak of rebellion against God and His law. And we see that even when the disciples asked Jesus about the signs and timing of His second coming, um, Jesus responded that false messiahs and prophets would precede His return, as will the tribulation against the church. And so... What the Bible seems to be indicating is that there is going to be false teachers, false prophets, false messiahs, and a lot of people will be deceived. We see this in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in, the, in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And so Paul is saying, before Christ comes, there is going to be a lot of people 
that are going to be deceived. There is going to be great apostasy, a great rebellion against God and His law. There will be false teachers and false messiahs, and people will be deceived. And so he mentions, as the first thing, you need to know that the rebellion, a great apostasy needs to happen before the day of the Lord comes. And secondly, the man of lawlessness needs to be revealed. And we see that in verse 3. So the second reason that shows that the, the parousia, or, or the coming of the Lord, hasn't happened is the man of lawlessness needs to be revealed. Now, let's just go through these following verses and, and see. We're going to focus on what we do know from the passage rather than what we don't know from the passage. Okay. All right. So we see there in verse, um, uh, in verse 3, it's, it's, he's called as well the son of destruction. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Okay, so let's stop right there. And I, I put a number of things that kind of just give us the basics of what this man of lawlessness is, is about. And, and what, what should we know about him? First thing that we need to notice is that the man of lawlessness is a person. Okay, the man of lawlessness is a person. He, we see how it refers to, to him as a person who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God. And though we see in that there is a mystery of lawlessness that is already at work, we see that at the last day, when Jesus is about to return, this lawlessness will be embodied by someone. And so, this is not just a, an eschatological figure. It's not a, a dragon. It's not a, it's, it's not a, um, a dominion. It's, it's a person. The man of lawlessness is a person. It's also no, note, uh, it's worthy to note that he's not Satan. In verse 9 it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. And so, 
this is not Satan who we are talking about. He is empowered by Satan, but he's not Satan. He's not Satan incarnate, as some would suggest. He's also an eschatological figure. In other words, what we see here in this text is that this person is coming right before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This person appears just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not a Roman emperor. It was not Nero. It was not the Pope. <laughs> it was not the Pope. Um, well, we don't know about this, but we don't know when Jesus is coming back. <laughs> but <laughs> but this, seems to, this seems to be a person that will appear right at the end, right before the coming of the Lord. And I was debating regarding this next one, should I put it, should I not, but I, I'm not going into too much detail, but I think there is enough evidence to point that the Antichrist spoken in First John is the same person. And so, Similar to Paul's description, John has an understanding that the Antichrist will come just prior to the end time. And this will indicate that the end has come. Uh, John emphasizes that the Antichrist would oppose God, but more specifically Christ. And so it seems, the Bible seems to point out that the men of lawlessness and the Antichrist are the same person. And there are a number of um, uh, scholars that would agree with that. And we see that um, this man of lawlessness will operate a lot of signs and wonders. We see that in, in verse um, 9 as well. The coming of the lawless one is, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And so he's going to be performing maybe miracles. He is going to do a lot of very impressive things that will deceive many people. And so here are some of the things that we know about the men of lawlessness. And it seems that Paul derives a lot of these attributes, and Paul knowing his scriptures from the book of Daniel. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go into every reference, but uh, I will just point out, and if you want to check it out later in your own time, you can do that. So, the, the same uh, kind of attributes or terms are used in the book of Daniel, for the men of lawlessness, Dan, Daniel 7:25 and 8:25, the son of perdition, Daniel 8:26, the one who op opposes, Dan 7:25, exalts himself against everything that is called God or worshipped, um, Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 8, verse 20, and verse 25, and so that he seats himself in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Daniel 8, 9 to 14. So this is not just, there is definitely a connection regarding the prophecies 
given to us in Daniel and what is, is, uh, seems to going to happen at the end of time. But there is an interesting verse there, verse 6 and 7, says that there is a restrainer. And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. So there seems to be a restrainer of the man of lawlessness before the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, who or what is that? And this passage, I mean, I don't know what Jabu has against me. That <laughs> just the tough passages. <laughs> um, now, let me, let me just say, the, the number of commentaries that I, I uh, consulted on this, um, most of them will say, this is hard to really pinpoint with absolute clarity. And, and so there are, um, I'll give you three um, believable possible um, identities of, of who or what this restrainer will be. One, um, one was that it was God himself or the Holy Spirit who is restraining uh, the man of lawlessness. However, that seems unlikely because it says there that uh, when he's about to be revealed, then the restrainer will be out of the way in, in, verse, um, in verse 7. And we don't see that happening with the Holy Spirit or God. Um, the other uh, plausible uh, possibility is that it is the state and the state of order and law. Um, it is the state that upholds lawfulness, and so when the state is removed of its control and power, this will allow free lawlessness as will be required and could uh, similarly be understood by Paul as the Roman Empire and the emperor. So some some commentators believe that that a state that uh, when when they are abiding in, in law and 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 there is a law and order reigning that is restraining the man of lawlessness. And then there is uh, another view that um, Paul believed the restrainer to be an angel of God. Uh, noting that in Daniel, the lawless ruler who establishes the abomination of desolation is followed immediately by Daniel's prophecy that Michael, the archangel, will arise, unleashing a time of trouble prior to the deliverance of God's people. So some believe that the archangel Michael is actually the restrainer. Whichever position or direction we take, this needs to be in our minds. Look at verse 6 regarding this restraining. And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed 
in his time. No matter who the restrainer is, there is an appointed time for the men of lawlessness to be revealed. You know what this tells you? This, that God is in absolute control of the exact time that the men of lawlessness will be revealed. It is according to His appointed time. God is in complete control over the events of the second coming, of the coming of the Lord. And, and that little phrase, that so that He may be revealed in His time, just in that little phrase, should bring some comfort. This is not a completely chaotic, um, out of control, out of God's hands, out of, out of God's design, uh, a couple of events that is happening, but even the revealing of the men of lawlessness will be in the time that God has appointed it to happen. And this should bring some comfort. That no matter how terrifying this news can be, that a lot of people will be deceived, that there will be... Um, uh, uh, false teachers and false signs and false wonders and, and, and people will be revealed and, and, and this man of lawlessness will uh, exalt himself. No matter all of this set of events, nothing is outside of God's control and predetermined plan. Even the man of lawlessness was to be revealed in his time. My last point is unbelievers are being deceived. Look from verse 10. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now this is a strong and scary word. And it is a warning even for us that are hearing this word today. That if... You do not believe the truth and have pleasure in unrighteousness. If you refuse to love the truth and be saved, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Oh, this is a very, very scary word and you know what it, what it is saying here those that were hearing then and those that are hearing now repent and believe the gospel 
1 Corinthians 1, 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Jesus Christ came, He died on the cross, He rose again on the third day, and He offers salvation. So, are you part of the people that are being deceived at love and righteousness? Or have you turned to Christ? Are you one of those that have been deceived? Are you one of those that have pleasure in unrighteousness? And my call to you tonight is that you will repent of your sins and turn to Christ. Otherwise, condemnation awaits. And it's, it's so hard not to jump to what comes next, but Job will do that. <laughs> The reason I, I asked Jamie to choose songs about the majesty and greatness of God is that Jesus Christ, His return is, is going to be glorious for us. And He is the victorious one. And and we see this in verse 8. Look at verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Just as Jesus, as Jesus Christ comes back, the men of lawlessness will be obliterated. There's not even a contest here. Jesus Christ, the victorious one, He is greater than the man of lawlessness. He is greater than the one who is in the world. Jesus Christ has won the victory. The coming back of, of the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorious for us believers. It will be terrifying for those that do not believe, that have been deceived, that went after uh, false teachers and went after uh, false signs and wonders. It will be terrifying for them. But for us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, Jesus will appear in glory and He will obliterate the men of lawlessness. It's just going to be Great. It's going to be a thing to behold. And so I want to end with just that picture of triumphant return, triumphant victory. From 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I tell you, mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, though we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, Though we don't know exactly who the man of lawlessness is, not even who is restraining him right now, <laughs> we know who is victorious. We know the end result. And my question is, are you in Christ? If you are, you're going to be victorious. It's going to be marvelous, glorious. But if you're not in Christ... I urge you tonight, repent. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ.